welcome back to the Final Girl on 6th Avenue podcast. My name is Carolyn Smith-Hilmer, and I am your host and 6th Avenue's very own Final Girl. And today, we are going to be talking about a little movie straight out of the official selection at Cannes in 2020 and from our friends over at the IFC called John and the Hole. Um, Most of you that know me know that I love an incredibly simplified plot. You're telling me this movie is about a someone named John and a hole. So I'm like, well, that sounds really interesting. I, I wonder how, I wonder what all you can do with this individual and a hole. So I, my mind is wandering and I'm like, okay, I have to watch it. Um, so on my flight to Vegas, which is why I didn't podcast this last week. So sorry about that, everyone. I downloaded this movie. I watched it. I didn't know what to think of it. So I watched it again. I still don't know what to think about it, to be honest with you. So maybe... I will come to some form of conclusion along our ride here today. Um, This is a 2020 release directed by Pasquale Sisto, starring Charlie Shotwell, Michael C. Hall, Jennifer L., and um, Thaisa Farmiga. So, you know, definitely a good cast. No issues for me on that front. Um, it is a psychological horror, rated R, one hour, 43 minute runtime, 2021 release, a coming of age psychological thriller that plays out the unsettling reality of a kid who holds his family captive in a hole in the ground. Again, I love a simple premise. So many things you can do with that. So I want to jump into this movie before we do that. I wanted to take, as usual, one little piece of our time together and talk about the Morbidly Beautiful Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Morbidly Beautiful Network. You can listen to my podcast and many others like it at morbidlybeautiful.com. I suggest you check out They Mostly Podcast at Night with Chaos and Carnage, Adventures in Movies, uh, Spook Show, Um, so many wonderful podcasts for you to listen to so much horror content from people that really do love horror and everything about it. So please take some time, head over and give their podcasts a listen. I also just want to take a quick second to say thank you and to shout out, um, a new friend that I made. I was, you know, sitting Um, I went to a music festival in Las Vegas, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And wow, um, I've not been that tired and maybe ever in my life, but I'm sitting in this hotel lobby because, you know, of course our, my flight was delayed and that's nothing new if you fly in and out of Vegas frequently. Um, but during my delay, I was feeling down and I was kind of bummed and I checked my phone. And I had on the Final Girl on 6th Avenue Instagram, someone sent me a message. Um, So I check it. 
I get a message from someone named Florian and they say, hi, I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. Keep up the good work and greetings from Germany. So I was elated to get that message. So if you are listening, dear follower on Instagram, I really appreciate all the support and love from you that that message really changed Honestly, the trajectory of my day that day, but even more so now, I think often about how um, there's listeners all over the world that tune into this podcast. So thank you so much. You are the reason why I do what I do. Having that kind of support is something that you can't buy. Money can't buy that. You know, that's a type of special feeling you get in your heart that there's just no words for it. So thank you so, so much. So enough mushy gushy and gratitude from me. Let's get back to John and this hole that we're going to learn about. So our movie opens as most of our movies do with, um, John and very close on John's face, like super close very punchable face not a face that says i don't want to hit you in the face right like it's just looks very squishy and like if you were to put your fist into it that his cheeks would like rebound very aggressively so but john is like terrified out of his mind right out of the gate because he's being asked in school Um, What is the square root of 225? I'm not really able to put a a definitive number on his age in this movie, but I would say he's probably in like middle school, maybe high school. If he's being asked these types of questions. Also, someone out there who had to stand up during class to answer a question Please, can you send me a note to finalgirlon6 at gmail.com? I have never in my life had to stand up to answer a question at school or to ask a question. Like, it just seems so foreign to me, like the concept, because I've never done it. Um, So he has to stand up. The teacher tells him to stop saying okay, to which his reply is okay. Um... And she's like, John, what is the square root of 225? Like, just tell me. We've been doing this for the last, like, 45 minutes. Like, come on. And John's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And she's very annoyed. And he's like, uh, oh, it's 15. And the teacher is like, well, how did you know that? And he's like, I don't know. What kind of fucking exchange is that? Seriously. So after that... He's done with that question and he gets to sit down. After school, on his way home, he takes his longboard, skateboard mode of transportation, gets home, and the next time we see John, he's eating dinner with dad, Brad, mom, Anna, and sister, Lori. Now, from what we can tell about John and his family so far, they're pretty well to do. Um, They're very, very white. And they live in a home that seems to be only made of glass windows and nothing else. Um, 
the dinner that they have looks very disjointed. They don't really seem to care to be in each other's company. You know what? I don't know their life. So look, if they don't want to have dinner together, they don't have dinner together. That's fine. After dinner, um, we see mom, Anna. She's brushing her teeth. She's getting ready for bed. She pops a nice sleeping pill. She closes the curtains from, um, I guess, a device on her phone. I don't have this type of money, so I don't know where these people are getting it. That's great. I'm happy for them. John's dad tucks him in, and um, the next shot we have is this beautiful aerial of right on top of a forest. And, I mean, the trees are moving. It's very windy. It's green. It's stunning. And all of a sudden, we start to spiral to the ground because it wasn't the director just being cheeky. It was actually a drone. John had been playing with a drone in the forest near his home and um, hit crashed and hit the ground, which I think is really interesting. I know that drones are expensive, so, um, you know, would probably try to avoid doing that since so I wouldn't break. Anyways, not my drone. So somehow this drone is still fine. John gets it to get back up and running again. He's, you know flying it around in the forest. I don't know how much forest there is to look at, but this seems like a really deep forest for all that it, you know, for what we're talking about right now. Inevitably in all these trees, John actually does seriously lose uh, the drone. So it gets stuck in a tree. He tries to get it down. When he dismounts from climbing the tree, he's got cuts and dirt and everything all over himself, and he jumps into the swimming pool to try to clean himself off. But that's okay, because even though John lost the drone, right, he gained the knowledge of there being a hole in the ground. So already we know why it's called John in the Hole, guys. Guys, so happy we have that clarity all at up front in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I could not possibly wait that long to find out what the hole was about. So um, it's like a bunker style hole. It's not really just a hole. It's like a bunker that someone didn't cover because there's nothing on top of it and never finished building out. I mean, it's just empty. So after John's dip in the pool, he goes upstairs and takes one of his mom's sleeping pills out of her um, drawer in her bathroom. So again, he's like 12, 13. He can't, his body can't take a sleeping pill like that. I mean, he, I can barely do that. And I am 26. So John takes this sleeping pill and he's like, I don't know, feeling himself. He wants to see what it feels like to take a sleeping pill like a grown up. And later that day at dinner, he admits to his parents that the drone, he lost it. The dad's kind of like, well, it's kind of a very just empty surface level conversation that they have. But he's kind of like, well, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that you you lost this drone. You know, it was expensive and I, I spent a lot of time picking it out for you. But blah, blah, blah. They just let it go. And John is so tired at dinner that he can't keep his head up. Like, he can't keep his eyes open. He is clearly falling asleep at the dinner table. Everybody keeps asking him what's wrong. 
Sister Lori goes, she leaves dinner early. She goes on a date and John stays behind and is just like a zombie, really. And he's asking his parents all sorts of questions. And then finally he says, I found the hole. And Brad is like, what hole? Like, what are you talking about? John's like, the hole in the in the forest i found it and his mom is like wait you mean the bunker and he's like um i don't know it's a hole and she's like well it's a bunker um it's abandoned construction they never finished it and john is like well what's a bunker i don't know what that is so brad and anna explain that you know a bunker is Built just in case you need to live underground for a while. Like, let's say there's a big storm that comes through or some type of natural disaster. There's, you know, a separate living space for you in the earth, if should you need it. So, John is like, okay, cool. A bunker. So, like, you can live down there pretty tight. Cut to John at tennis practice. He seems pretty good. I don't know a lot about tennis. I know that I'm not good at it. That same scene goes from John hitting tennis balls on the tennis court to John throwing a tennis ball against the ceiling. And that would drive me absolutely, absolutely nuts. Like, I cannot tell you how pissed off I would be if I had to listen to that. So Sister Lori comes down and she's like, dude, you gotta stop. Like, I'm trying to read a book for book club. Like, this is driving me crazy. Can you please, please try to stop throwing the ball and let it hit the ceiling? So he does. Then John is writing his, um, like, John is just so careless, right? Like, he's just so detached from everything in the world. So... He's riding his longboard home from school and he just like fucking lets it roll down a hill and like he doesn't go get it. I'm like, okay, so you had a mode of transportation. You don't have one now. What the fuck is wrong with you? Not that it was like a nice one or anything, but it's like, what is wrong? Now here's where things start to get spicy. So we meet a man named Charles. Charles is the family gardener. And I know what you're thinking. Carolyn, is their house really, and property, really this big? Do they really need a gardener? My answer to that is no. Out of necessity, they do not need a gardener. Would it be awesome to not have to do your own gardening and landscaping? Uh, yeah. It would be amazing. So John sees Charles and he's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I will take him a glass of lemonade. Because what else could someone want about, I don't know, four o'clock in the afternoon when the sun is high and you've been out working all day? Lemonade sounds pretty fucking good. So he brings John some lemonade. When he does this, He's like waiting in anticipation of, or sorry, John brings Charles lemonade. Guys, lots of male names in this. So I know I messed up already. So can you just, just keep up with me, right? Um, do as I say, not as I do. 
Charles drinks the lemonade. And John is like, so how are you feeling? Like, do you feel any different? Like, he's, like, waiting in so much anticipation of, like, is Charles going to pass out and literally die right here in the middle of the garden? Because John has decided that these sleeping pills are so incredible at knocking people out, he wants to try it on Charles. So he put a sleeping pill in Charles' lemonade. So Charles is like, yeah, I feel fine. Like, everything's cool. John is kind of frustrated and he's like, "Um, well, you have a spider on your back, so ha. And Charles is like, oh no, it's like a garden spider. Like, it's a cool spider. They do stuff in the in the weeds. I don't know. I don't know anything about spiders and I don't care to know anything about them. That's not even the point, but he makes a big deal about the spider and he's like handling the spider and then the spider like bites him or pokes him. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about spiders. And John is like, okay, well that sucks. I am going to go get you some more lemonade. And this time he puts extra sleeping pills in the lemonade and towards the end of the evening we see charles walking around the property and he just collapses like he just he's asleep outside and john is watching from you know his bedroom window looking at charles to see what happens he sees him collapse and he's like oh dope let me go outside and see what i can do so he goes outside and he takes a stick, very big stick, and starts to poke Charles's body with it. And when he realizes that Charles isn't going to wake up, he throws the stick. He's like, dope. It worked. Awesome. And he puts some money into Charles's back pocket and walks back inside. Somehow, mom, Anna, and dad, Brad, haven't, no one has like, asked about the fact that there's a, a their gardener is asleep outside of their house like no one's even thought about it i guess truthfully i the family dynamic is so strange here um anyways later that night everybody's getting ready for bed and mom is you know nighttime routine she takes a sleeping pill everything's good Everything's really good until it's not because mom takes her sleeping pill. Dad seems to have taken one, whether it was on his own accord or not, because he just like passes out on the bed. Like he is fucking asleep. Okay. And meanwhile, John is playing this like video game for tennis, like an NBA 2K type situation, but for a tennis which they probably make and I just don't know about it in real life so John is playing this game he's like talking to a friend that he's playing with like through the game with his headset on and stuff they look like they're having fun I you know I have no reason to believe that they're not actually having fun other than the fact that John doesn't smile this entire movie but Back to everybody's sleeping situations. So mom takes a sleeping pill willingly. Dad is a fucking asleep asleep. It looks like he took one on his own, but I don't know. And um, 
Then all the lights in the house turn down. You know when the house goes to sleep? Except for the fact that it's not asleep because John is not asleep. Everyone else is asleep, just not John. So we see these two feet hanging off the edge of the bed. John is pulling on them and touching them. And he's like, man, I hope this, whoever these feet belong to, this person is sleeping pretty good. So it's his sister, Lori. She's not responding to anything. He's like pulling on her pillow. He's pulling on her feet. Like nothing's working. So he's like, all right, cool. She's really sleeping. He goes into mom and dad's room. He starts clapping really loud. They're not responding. And the whole time I'm thinking, in what manner, because we at the audience are to assume that he drugged his entire family with these sleeping pills, but like, how did he do it? Because we don't see it ever. Like, we don't see that he gives it to them in any way. Like, very confusing plot hole there. And, uh, but I'm not a director. So John, at this point, starts to take each individual member of the household and drag them from their beds down the hall, down the stairs, outside, and places them individually in the bunker. This bunker is so incredibly deep that there is no possible way that these people got from where they are, right, on ground level, to the bottom of the bunker without breaking a bone, hitting their head, like having a concussion. Like, it is not possible that this occurred. Yet, they wake up the next morning. Anna, Brad, and Lori wake up the next morning, and they are just fine. They're peachy keen. Except for the fact that they're in a, in a bunker, right? A hole. And because it was never finished, like, it's literally just a hole. And they're very upset. But Lori, smart girl, my girl in the book club, she's saying, John did this. John is the reason why we are in this hole. Very interesting. Now, all this is going on with John, but don't worry because... The story is not linear, and it's not only about John. What would it be if we didn't throw a curveball at you? So there's a totally unrelated household that has absolutely nothing to do with John or John's family in any form or fashion, other than to provide, I suppose, some duality. But again, this is not related. There's a little girl. Her name is Lily. She's sitting on the floor of her bedroom and she is staring out the window. Lily's mom comes in and says, hey, little one, you know, um, how are you? Do you need to go to the bathroom? You haven't left this room in two days. Lily's like, well, I don't need to go to the bathroom and I love this room. So I didn't feel the need to leave. And she tells her mom about how she had this dream where she was a blue balloon filled with blue air and everything was blue. The sky was blue. The sun was blue. Everything was blue. And she gets lost in this blue world because no one can find her because everything is blue and she blends in with it. 
And then she tries to like half-ass do like a little dance situation, which is very interesting. And she spins around in a circle, which is cool. That's fine. I love when kids are artistic. It's now 30 minutes into the film, by the way. And we just now get the title screen of John in the Hole. I'm going to let you sit with that. Back in the hole. Everybody's waking up and they're panicking and they're like, I don't understand how this could happen. But John is living the best life ever. John is taking a bubble bath in mom and dad's big bathtub. And then he proceeds to go downstairs after he's all nice and clean and fresh. He is going to pretend to be his mom and pretend to be his dad and call various people to like cancel plans or cover for them. Like he's practicing the dialogue of like how he's going to sound and what he's going to say to these people. So for example, like one of the people he calls is the gardener, Charles, and says like, you know, you don't need to come anymore. Brad wants to take care of all the gardening from now on because something's wrong with him and the doctor says it's good for him, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, make he's proactively doing all these things to make sure that if his parents are gone for a prolonged period of time, that there's an explanation for it. And now because John is the man of this house, he says, I can drive a car. I'm 13, but I can drive a vehicle. So he hops into mom's Volvo and drives it into town He takes out, I don't know, a shitload of money from an ATM from his parents' account and stops by like a Popeye's situation, which looks phenomenal right about now as I'm telling you this story. So eventually he hears someone walking around outside. It's his mom's friend, Paula. Paula is a very cute, polished country club woman. And she's come over because she was supposed to be meeting Anna um, for an event later that day. Who knows what it was for? So John is like, well, my parents aren't here, actually. It's crazy. My grandpa is in the hospital. And so my parents and Lori are with him. I'm staying here so I can go to tennis lessons because that's more important than being at the hospital with my family. XYZ. So John is coming up with all these things and she's like, okay, that's like weird. Cause you know, your mom never said that your grandpa was sick, but like, whatever. Also, can you just have her call me? And he's like, yeah, I mean like, you know, sure. So he dodges that bullet, closes the window that he was, t- he like purposely goes upstairs and opens his bedroom window so that he can yell down from the bedroom window to Paula. Very interesting situation. And I guess he doesn't want her in the house. After she leaves, he's like, yeah, I should probably go check on um, my family members, the ones that I threw in a hole in the middle of the night. And so he brings them like a two liter bottle of water and some of this this Popeye's um, type chicken situation. And throws it down and is like, have a heyday, you know, eat, drink, be merry. 
What more could you ask for? I'm giving you everything you need. I even have pillows for you down there. See, guys, I'm a good kid. And like I said, Lori knows exactly who did this. But Anna and Brad are still kind of, eh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. So they're saying, you know, hey, John, just tell us who did this. Uh, we, we're not going to be upset. Like, is somebody making you do this? And if so, who are they? And John doesn't give them the satisfaction of even speaking a single word. So he throws down the food, he throws down the water, and he leaves. Brad is upset because he's like, you're not eating this shit. Anna, Lori, like, you're not eating this food. Like, this is, like, not good food. Like, you're not going to eat it. But Anna is starving, so she is going to eat some of it. And Lori is thirsty, so she's going to drink water and eat food too. And eventually Brad gives in and he's like, all right, fine. Um, all while they have this lovely meal that they're having together, they're also trying to come up with a plan to climb out of this bunker. And so they come up with the best solution at the time, which is basically to just have everybody climb on top of each other and try to like climb out, like get tall enough to climb out of it. And they're not able to do that. They're not tall enough. They can't jump high enough. They're not strong enough, blah, blah, blah. What have you, they can't get out. And you're thinking probably the same thing I'm think I was thinking the first time I watched it, which is that, okay, John has something really crazy planned because like, if he needed his parents to be somewhere else so that he could accomplish something and that could be anything, right? Like, I don't know, just as an example, like throwing a giant party. That's great. His parents are gone. They're in a hole. They literally can't get out. So they're not going to be mad. Like they, he's not going to be in trouble. But John is literally not doing anything in his life. That's any different than he was doing when his parents were around so he's upstairs playing video games again, talking to his friend on the phone. He also plays piano for a little while. It starts to storm. We have a lovely, you know, scene with some nice music and some storming. Love that. Love it all the time. And yeah, he's living lavish. Like everything he's doing right now, he could also be doing with his parents out of the hole. So that's cool. And the next day he's like, oh, that sucks. You guys got wet. It was raining, blah, blah, blah. He goes down the hole with this trash bag and in the trash bag is jackets, like a flashlight. They're saying it's cold and he, you know, he has nothing to say, nothing to say to these people. He doesn't owe them anything. And Cut scene, he walks away. Now he's sitting on top of his mom's car in the parking lot with like a bus that pulls up because the friend that he always plays video games with uh, has come to visit him. So that's kind of fun, right? And he invited him while they were playing video games, you know, a few days before. So cool. And he has a drone again, which I'm like, okay. So did you buy a new one with the money that you stole from mom and dad? Like, again, not a lot of sense here with the drone. 
he picks up his friend and his friend is kind of like oh dude like you can drive like that's fucking wild like how did you do how can you do this like legally how do you do this and he kind of just gives a bullshit answer lets it go cool and his friend brings up this concept of i guess like i don't want to call it asphyxiation because that's not what they are necessarily doing they basically the goal of this idea that his friend has is to get in the pool and hold your breath for so long that you like almost drown so you like deprive yourself of oxygen for a certain amount of time and when you get to a certain point like you'll start seeing things so john's like cool like let's try that that sounds great it doesn't sound fun to literally anyone but john's like yeah dope let's fucking go so they get in the pool john stays under for a while he doesn't hear anything he's like eh it's kind of a waste of time his friend is like okay cool well my turn hold my head underwater and do not let me up for any reason and john's like well okay so he takes that very literally and his friend is fighting under the water like dying to grasping to get out of this situation and john is just holding him under holding 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 and his friend comes out and is like dude what the fuck i could have died like i didn't really mean i didn't want you to kill me like that was never the goal so they play their tennis game and they're playing together now so that's cool they're not playing over the internet anymore and um down in the bunker they're taking a shit in Lori. She's taking a shit in one of these like plastic bags that's down there. And they launch the bag up out of the hole. Nothing but spectacular content right now at this point in the movie. But then we finally get something really profound. So they're all in the bunker and Anna is saying... You know, it's weird because last month, John asked me a question. And it was one of those really weird questions that he asks, I guess, pretty frequently. And John had said that he wanted to know what it felt like to be an adult. And what it, you know, felt like to not be a kid anymore. How you knew that you were an adult and not a kid anymore. And she attributes this to some sort of curiosities that he just has surrounding the world and that she makes this kind of assumption that he's just a little detached and like things are just a little off with him. Like she says that he one time also asked her why the water in the swimming pool doesn't feel like real water, which like I kind of get what he's saying because like sometimes swimming pool water feels like really smooth and like It is real water. It just feels different than like tap water, but that's okay. So they're all kind of reflecting on this notion now. And mom feels guilty. She's like, the kid is weird. I don't know. I'm sorry. He came from my body. You know, sue me for it. John and his friend make these like bowls of just random stuff. Like it could be an ice cream sundae, but it also has peanut butter in it and a bunch of other things. Looks good to me. Um, They start chasing each other around the house, though. And at that point, he trips, he falls, the bowl falls out of his hand and it breaks on the ground. And 
his friend is like, oh, I'm so sorry, dude. But like, we have this other bowl full of ice cream and stuff. Like, what should we do with it? So John outside, they put the bowl on the ground and John holds his friend's feet up like he's doing a handstand and is eating the ice cream sundae upside down while in a handstand with just his mouth. So like no utensils or anything. And that's really interesting because at the same time, mom Anna is down in the bunker eating a leaf string by string, striation by striation. She is eating like a weed or a leaf or a plant. So now John kind of missing his family, I guess in a way has decided to use his drone to fly it and drones are kind of loud. So like when they're in the middle of the forest and the family's literally doing nothing except for sitting, like, you know, it wakes them up in the middle of the night when they're sleeping. He takes the drone, he puts on his VR goggles and is like controlling the drone. And basically what he can do in the goggles is he can see bird's eye view what the drone sees. And dad, Brad stands up and is like, oh my God, leave us alone. Like what the hell? The next day, John is driving again, um, his friend, and he stops at an ATM on the way and is like, oh, here, man, you can just have a couple hundred bucks. Like, you can just keep it. No big deal. His friend is like, um, John, this isn't your money. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. Like, I want you to have it. Like, you should have it. It's good. It's good. He drops his friend back off at the bus station and comes home to find that Paula is hanging out. So Paula is wanting to know where John's parents are because why has Anna not called her back? Once inside the house with Paula, Paula is like, okay, well, I was just coming to check on you and stuff. And like, if you don't have anything that you need from me, like, I think this whole thing is really weird, but I'm going to go. And John's like, no, 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 Paula, please, please stay. Like, I want you to stay. And she's like, well, I can stay for a few minutes, but like, you know, I got to go. Like, I'm busy. I'm an adult. I got shit to do. And Paula's like, you're acting so weird. Like, this whole thing is so strange. So John's like, it's okay. Like, I just want to talk. How old are you? And Paula's like, "Mm, you don't ask people that? Cause it's rude. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, my mom is 50. And Paula says, yeah, I know. Like I was here for your mom's birthday party. I remember we had a big party. Um, I don't know why you don't remember that I was here, you know, for the party. And John is like, well, what does it feel like to be 50? Paula thinking it's just kind of a a regular question. Like when you ask someone, how does it feel to win the Super Bowl? And she's like, well, it feels not that bad, actually. Um, Not as bad as I thought it would, but you know, things are good. Why? Like, what is up? And John is like, it's okay. Like, I just wanted to know whatever. Paula decides this is enough. Like, I'm done. I'm calling your mom. John freaks out. Please don't call mom. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for you to call her. Please don't. And Paula does anyway. When she does, she discovers that mom's phone is sitting on the dining room table. It's ringing. And she's like freaked out. And she's like, 
oh my god okay john is like oh my god paula no it's okay they left in a hurry like they didn't take their phones like she left it here uh, you know it's the weirdest thing blah 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 he tries to get her to stay the night there it's weird stuff paula has a family she's an adult what have you mom dad sister still in the hole and i'm so glad that you were gonna ask me listener i'm so glad that you were going to ask me what is going on with the other random little girl named lily i'm so glad you asked because she has nothing to do with this story but like where would we be if we didn't talk about her so cut to lily's storyline and lily is hanging out in her living room and her mom comes in and is like okay well, I'm leaving. You are on your own now. And I'm leaving. I'm not taking you with me. I left enough money for you to have the house for the next year. And after that, you have to figure out how to like make a living and feed yourself and all that stuff. But um, I'm not helping you anymore. And of course, Lily is very upset by this. I mean, she's like 10. She's like, please don't go. That's insane of you to just leave that makes no sense and mom is she's set in her way she is leaving she's done she's done being a parent lily's an adult now she gets to decide how she spends money and where she lives back at john's house john is hiding because paula has called a police officer and paula and the police officer have decided to do like a stop in at the house which is great except all the doors are locked so like they can't get inside and john just waits it out basically the police officer finds the drone outside he picks it up he looks at it probably wondering why such an expensive piece of equipment is just hanging out outside i would be wondering the same thing and john later goes to tennis practice where his coach tells him he's not ready for the qualifying rounds of whatever tournament it is and is asking him about what he's been eating and john lies about what he's been eating says he's been eating healthy but we all know he's been eating pizza and popeyes and ice cream just regular stuff that every teenager does lie about what they eat to their tennis coach in the bunker uh everybody's hungry morale is at an all-time low and you know people are starting to get really upset and rightfully so so john is waiting outside of the bunker but he hears overhears a conversation and his family doesn't know that he's sitting there overhears a conversation about how um like his dad is so hungry that it feels like there's a dog barking in his stomach and that's like really one of the best ways analogies that i've ever heard someone to describe what true like hunger feels like and they're talking about how like john left them there for dead and mom anna is just like i just hope he's okay like i really just want him to come back i i would love it if he would bring me some more food and water this whole thing is getting out of hand but i don't want him to die i don't want anything to happen to him and john overhears this conversation and becomes really upset by it so he goes back into the house into the kitchen and throws up in the kitchen sink and then goes for a swim 
where he is met by Charles the gardener. And John scares the shit out of Charles because he's in the pool floating face down and Charles jumps into the pool to like save him. He's like, oh my God, you're drowning. Like I have to get to you. And John is like, no, 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 it's sorry. It was just a game. Like it's not a big deal, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, and Charles is like, cool. Well, I also wanted to say hi to your dad. I was working at the neighbor's place next door and I wanted to come and Say hi to your dad and see how he's doing. I thought you said he was taking care of the garden, but your garden looks like shit. And John is, you know, just kind of like not saying anything, not pressing. So Charles is like, well, I'll come back tomorrow after work. And John explains that he's making risotto for dinner. And I don't know if that was supposed to make him want to stay for dinner, but it doesn't. And Charles tells John that John's a good kid before he leaves. And John holds true to his word, and he does. He makes risotto for dinner, which I make risotto, I would say, probably every three weeks or so. It is very time-intensive. It's incredible. It's so good. And like a beacon of light, um, John emerges in front of the bunker and... He's dressed nice, you know? He made this risotto and brought down a bottle of wine for his family so that they could all eat dinner together, even though he's not going to get in the bunker with them. No, no, no. That would make too much sense. He's going to sit outside of the bunker while they have dinner and talk together. He tells mom and dad that, you know, he hit 100 serves or something the day before. Like, they give a fuck because they're in a, a bunker. Like, they don't care about that. And later that day, John is, like, laying on the couch and he's turning the lights on and off with his phone very aggressively and everything's, like, flickering. And then he looks defeated. And then he gets in the car and he drives around for a little while. And at the break of dawn, he goes to the bunker and is like, you know what? I'm going to get him out. I'm going to let him come out. I think it's time. And really for the first time in this movie that, you know, because John doesn't really show any emotion. But when he makes this internal decision to let them out of the bunker and he's like looking at them sleeping next to one another on the ground, he looks very upset. Like he looks like he's going to cry. So... He, lo- he just is so defeated. But he gets the attention of Lori. And Lori is just confused. She's And she's looking for something from him. She's like, oh my god, you're crying. Like, Do you feel bad? Are you going to let me out? So John goes and gets a ladder. And, you know, puts it down in the bottom of the bunker. And, and just lets his family members climb out. Like, nothing ever happened. And after they climb out, they start going back towards the house where they find John in the pool who's pretending to, like, do the drowning thing again where he sees stuff. And so they jump into the pool. They grab John. I think they save him. I think he just wanted... He wanted a reason to touch his parents again or maybe just be... Felt like they weren't gonna be mad at him if like they found him dead I don't know 
Very odd. Or maybe he was actually trying to kill himself because he felt so bad about what happened. But regardless, they pull him out of the water. They embrace him. And then they eat dinner together. And there's a brief moment where you think the film is over. But don't worry because Lily is coming back. And she is walking around in the forest where the hole used to be. And, um, yeah, it's been filled in. It was filled in by someone with a bulldozer. I Like, again, I don't know what the point of her is. I, I, I'm still baffled by it. But that's where the movie actually does end. So I have a lot of thoughts about this movie and I'm sure from listening to me talk about it so far you've probably come to the conclusion that I deeply do not like it and that would be the correct conclusion because I very much dislike this movie and I dislike it for many reasons but one of them one of the main ones being that the son John He just doesn't sell it for me. Like, I understand that he was asking his mom what, you know, what it felt like to be an adult. Okay, like, cool. But whenever he was pretending to be an adult in this movie, he didn't act any different than he does now. And... He wasn't, like, paying bills or anything. Like, everything was taken care of for the most part. So it was just, like, if you want to know what it feels like to be an adult, then you have to do things like an adult. Like, you have to pay your bills. You have to buy groceries. You have to clean up after yourself. You have to shower every day. Like, he wasn't doing any of those things. He didn't, he doesn't even know what it means to be an adult. So for him to ask the question, what does it feel like? makes no sense right so we all grow up wondering what it feels like to be an adult and there were many times in my life where i would wonder whether it would be better to try to preserve like youth in term instead of you know instead of trying to get older right like would it be better for me to keep acting keep living like i'm young and 22, 21, I'm still in college, or would it be better for me to grow up and act my age and be an adult? I think being an adult is so much better than being a kid. Like, there's no way that you can tell me that spending your own money on whatever the fuck you want is not fun. It's probably the most enjoyable part of life. Of adult life, I would say. Because all the decisions that you want to make are yours. If you want to buy it, it's your money. Go out and buy it. Nobody's telling you no. I think there's a lot of parts of being an adult that... They do kind of suck. Like, paying bills sucks. And paying rent or mortgage sucks. But for the most part, I would say having being an adult now I don't feel a ton different than I did when I was 17 really because I still handled my personal affairs at that time 
I, you know, my parents raised me to be an adult. So I think I was, I was a little ahead of my peers in that aspect for most of my life. I knew how to pay credit card bills, um, things like that. I understood how loans worked. Like I understood when and how to do my taxes, like things like that. So for me, I've been doing it for so long and have been familiar with it for so long that it doesn't really bother me or make me feel any different now. It wasn't like a big life changing, eye opening experience for me to turn 18. And I do appreciate in this movie how they tried to use two, like two hyperbolic examples Right. So one parent, right. With Lily, she wanted her daughter to grow up so badly that she was like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm done. You're on your own. You have to figure out how to do all these things. You have to figure out how to pay bills. You need to figure out where you're going to live. You need to figure out what you're going to eat. You need to take care of yourself. X, Y, Z. She was showing her daughter. This is hyperbole, obviously how to take care of herself, what it means to be a grown-up. It means you're responsible for all of these things. And in John's case, his family is very much the opposite, where they don't really give their kids any responsibility. Like, the only thing their kids have to worry about doing is going to tennis practice and eating lunch like it just doesn't they don't have a lot that they have to take care of so for them it doesn't make much sense and for me i think if lily had been like more of a a prominent figure right in the movie like if her storyline like really had a lot of value to add i think it would have played a much larger part in the film but on top of that you can kind of look at like a you can almost look at this as an analysis less about what it means to be in a coming of age film and more about what it means for parenting styles like with lily's mom she's very clearly the well i guess she could be a mix of both actually but i would say she's authoritative the authoritative parenting style, which means like there's clear rules, clear expectations for everything. Communication is pretty open. Like they don't seem to have a strained relationship or difficulty exchanging words with one another. Like it doesn't look uncomfortable. They have good communication I would say for the most part like I said I she's in the film so little I wish I could see more um and and natural consequences like she her mom is basically saying Lily like I'm leaving you with money and like if you don't do something to make money or if you don't find somewhere to go you will lose this house right like she is teaching her in a very odd way very extreme way that this is how life works. And so on the one hand, you have Lily's mom being the authoritative figure, and you have John's parents being the neglectful parenting type, which 
they're pretty not they're pretty much not involved in anything. Um, I would say their family is they're they're a little absent in the lives of their family. They're not really engaging in a lot of meaningful dialogue. The dad doesn't even know where the daughter is going when she leaves dinner. Like they're pretty indifferent to things. They don't give a lot of guidance. They like it's pretty much just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Like we'll be over here and you'll be over there. It's very cold to live in that type of like setup. And even after they get out of the bunker and they go to dinner and they sit down together, they don't even talk about what happened. Like they choose to ignore what happened and why their son put them there in the first place. That never gets explored. So it could also be a critique on parenting styles and how those can manifest because of course there are there are advantages and disadvantages to each of the four. But the advantage or disadvantage, I should say, of the authoritative parenting style is that Lily grew up really fast. Lily grew up so fast, in fact, John is is saying that he wants to know what it feels like to be an adult, but Lily knows exactly what it feels like to be an adult, and she's not having any fun. You think she's having fun walking around not knowing where her mom went or why her mom left and how she's going to put food in her mouth and find a place to live? She is too young to, to have all those responsibilities. She's too young to bear that cross. And John is sitting here not having any idea what any of that feels like, not knowing what it feels like to have your parent just up and leave you and abandon you with nothing and having to figure everything out on your own. But yet he thinks that he has the adult experience because he drove a car and ate Popeye's and pizza for however long they were down there. Like he... He could try and try and try to know what it feels like to be an adult, but never get there because of the way that his parent, because of his parenting, his parents' parenting style. Like he will not know what it means to be an adult. His parents don't have open communication with him. They are pretty indifferent to his behavioral weirdness like when he's just fucking lying face down in the middle of the swimming pool for no reason and why he put his parents in a bunker in the first place there's all these things i i again i don't really know that this is like a good example of a coming of age movie but more of two parenting styles and showing how that manifests in their children. John's being that he has no idea how to do anything because his parents don't pay much attention to him and don't really worry about him. And um, Lily's being that her mom thinks that she's so well prepared that she doesn't, her job is done and she doesn't need to worry about her anymore. So I think that this movie is a is a good uh, demonstration, I would say, of those two things. But I would like to point out that there's a lot of plot holes here. 
And I am not one. I love artsy movies. Okay. Like that four hour movie that Andy Warhol made of a dude that's just sleeping. Brilliant. Okay. It's like so anti-film. I love that. What I don't love and appreciate is in the introduction of a character in like a, a fictitious story that has no meaning. She's not, I'm talking about Lily and her mom. Like they don't add anything. They also don't take anything away, but it's very disruptive. It doesn't make much sense. It's not coherent. And lots of little plot holes like the fact that, and I said this earlier, the bunker is so deep that if John just threw his parents and his sister in there, I mean, they would have broken bones. They would have hit their heads. Like nothing good would have come out of that, but somehow they were all just fine. And seemingly he can just do whatever he wants, right? I mean, like the cops, nobody called any police officers that actually really made a good effort to come into the home to find out if something was wrong. Like, I don't know. The movie just seemed so not realistic to me at all. And it felt like with John's demeanor being so cold and distant and like, like dissociated, like he's living on another planet, right? Like I would have loved to have seen more exploration of that. Like he's talking about how he wants to be an adult so bad and why water doesn't feel like water, but he never goes and makes an effort to actually be an adult or f see if there's other things in the world. Like do research, Google it for God's sakes, read a book. Like he just says, oh, well, being an adult was not that fun. It's really lonely. And then gets his family out. I mean, I don't know. If you have any interest in watching this movie, please do and let me know what you think. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I don't say movies are bad. This movie was not for me. And this might be the first time on this podcast I've ever done a discussion on something that wasn't for me. So let me know if you like it, dislike it. I can assure you there's plenty more movies where that came from. Um, there's plenty of movies that I don't like. So if anyone's interested in hearing more about those, let me know. But next time I will be talking about a movie that I really, really like. So the negativity stops here for a little while. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I will be back in two weeks. I swear, swear I will. I, again, so sorry that I skipped this last week. Um, but we'll be back in two weeks, regularly scheduled programming. I'll be doing every other week. Um, and yeah, I can't tell you how much it means to me that people have been really enjoying this little, little show of mine. So, um, I love to receive compliments <laughs> from anyone and everyone. So thank you again to Florian, my Instagram follower, who sent me that nice message. And um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, you can send them to the Instagram for this podcast account. So that would be Final Girl on Six, the number six. You can also email me at Final Girl on Six. That's the number six at gmail.com. 
And until next time, don't forget that I'm Sixth Avenue's very own final girl.